Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. And then picking up in verse 11 of that same chapter. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together in every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in the building, it up, building itself up in love. This is the reading of the sacred word. May God now add a blessing to the hearing and to the doing of it. Would you pray with me? God, in this moment, um, we, your worshipers, are yielded to you. We acknowledge that our minds can be drawn in, um, in many, many different directions right now. We acknowledge and we confess to you that our hearts, our, our passions and priorities, our, um, our pursuits, they can be drawn in a number of different directions. But right now, Lord, your worshipers, we, we want nothing but you. We want nothing but you. Will you show us something about you today that shapes and changes something about us? We, your worshipers, pray. Amen. Amen. So today we begin a new series, a new sermon series that will run for six weeks. Six weeks in a row. And the anchor, the, the hook, the truism that is to, to, to 
to propel us, the, the, the guiding hook that is to draw us and nudge us and move us forward along the way is the truth that you heard our members already proclaim in the worship video a moment ago. Here it is. The church is intended to be the visible presence of the risen Christ in this world. The visible presence of the risen Christ in this world. You and I are part of a body in this world and we are the only evidence that he is still alive. Every Easter you and I gather in this place and, and to two packed out crowds, I will stand on this platform or in the waters of baptism and I will say on Easter morning, the Lord is risen and you will say, he's risen, he's risen indeed. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that that is only words, only words if the world does not see his aliveness in us. If the world cannot recognize his unrelenting love, if the world can't see and experience his tender grace, if the world is unable to experience his inexhaustible compassion in our lived out lives, then those words are nothing but empty words. And they will not believe them. But if you and I could marvel a while at the power of that statement, if you and I got even near the neighborhood of understanding the significance of what I'm trying to suggest these six weeks, that you are the visible, physical, tangible presence of the risen, alive Lord, everything could change. Because in that moment, if we were to really live out like we say on Easter, what we really believe, that he is alive and he is alive in us, then we would know something that could fuel our every day. We would know why we are here. And when you know why you are here, you become unflappable. Why are you here? Now, these days, many thought leaders and, and religious leaders, people who are of influence, will say things about why. In fact, I'll suggest to you, you go home and watch a Simon Sinek TED Talk by Simon Sinek, a TED Talk called Starting With Why. The idea is if you know why you're doing a thing, then what you're doing is more empowered. You've got to know why before you know what, Right? Or I'll suggest to you a book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. It, it does the same thing. It talks about what is the one pursuit that drives everything that you do. What is the one pursuit? But do you know that this week I was compelled in an unexpected place? <laughs> I was compelled by a comedian named Michael Jr. Michael Jr. is a funny man. He's a funny guy. He, he does stand-up com comedy and, he, and he's great. It makes, makes me laugh. I like to be around people who make me laugh. 
and he makes me laugh. But do you know the interesting thing about Michael Jr.? Michael Jr., in the middle of his stand-up routine, every time he has what he calls um, uh, break time. So he'll be in the middle of his stand-up routine, and then he'll bring a stool out on stage, and he'll sit down, and he'll just talk to the people uh, about stuff. And he says, usually when it's unscripted, funny just happens. Well, Michael talks a great deal about why and what. Michael does, this comedian. He says, you know what? Everybody knows their what. A lot of people figure out their what in a hurry. But not many people understand the why behind their what. And if you understand the why behind your what, then your what takes on new meaning. Your what takes on wings and flies. But you've got to know your why. But he's in this the stand-up gig one day, and he sits down in the middle of the stage with a stool to do break time, to just, you know, chew the fat, do a little jaw wagon with the, with the people, and let funny happen. And he, he meets this guy in the audience who is a teacher at a local uh, military academy. He is a director of music. He teaches music. He's a choral director, Glenn, and, and he asked him to sing something, and he sings it. But then what happens next was really fascinating. And I want us to see it so that we might use it as a way to talk about what I'm trying to say today. Take a look. Amazing, dude. <laughs> so you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me hear. We didn't plan this. Just so y'all know, we didn't, we didn't plan this at all. I'm just randomly talking. To, go ahead. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That brought a sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved Yes, yes. All right. So when he first met the man right there on the spot and said, hey, can you sing Amazing Grace? He sang it and sounded great, in my opinion. I mean, he got all the words right. He was right on pitch. He's right in tune. In other words, he knew the what. The what. The what is the song. The what is the tune. The what is the words. But when he was asked 
to get in touch with the why, it changed the what. <laughs> that was a different song. When you're not only singing about grace, but telling why it is that it is amazing and his eyes close and he embellishes some. When you get in touch with the why, your what changes. And I want to suggest to you that the church has a why. The church has a why. We are the visible presence of the risen Christ in this world. And I'll go on and say that we've got a bunch of what's too. We've got a lot of really good what's. We can what it up all day long. I mean, we can what with children. And we can what with youth. We know what to do with children and with youth and, and what ministries are needed for adults, men, women, senior adults. We know what kind of anthems to plan. By the way, killed it a moment ago. We know what kind of, of hymns to sing and what kind of preludes to arrange. We know the what. The what is not a problem. We've got a thousand what's, but we only have one worthy why. And the why is what matters. We can do all the best fancy what's. We could draw all kinds of what's and get applauded for our what's. And we could be really good at whatting up all day long, every day of the week. But unless we know our why, our what's matter not. And our why is this. When we gather here together as the body of Christ, Something happens. And I couldn't put words around it. I can't completely, adequately put words around it because that's why we call it a mystery. Something happens when sisters and brothers in the faith gather together. There is something that happens, and it is this. We encounter the holy and mysterious presence of the risen one. The, the power of God's presence is in us and among us, and, and between us. And when we gather, we get to experience the grace of reconciliation and forgiveness and strength of heart and hope. We get to encounter life-altering transformation as if the master himself were standing right in the middle of this room because he is. In you. You are the body of Christ. And if a church can't figure that out, then none of our what's will matter. But if we do, if we can understand the significance of this statement that we are the visible presence, and we understand our why, then there really is no stopping us. The text a moment ago illustrates it. And I want us to go back to this text and see exactly what I'm talking about because it is a power-packed passage that shows us the potential of what is possible when we gather in this place. It's possible every time we gather, but it is rarely recognized. It begins in verse 11. The gifts he gave were the some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Now stop right there for just a moment. In other words, in order to do church, it takes a number of people. Because we got a lot of what to do. 
a lot of what's to do. But if you want to know the why behind all the various what's that we do, then keep reading. It is in order that, next verse, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the building up of the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Now, if you break that passage apart, the most powerful for me, at least today, is this. That the reason we do everything we do is in order to build up the body of Christ. There's not a program that we offer here. There's not a ministry. There's not an event. There's not a retreat that is offered that is not toward that aim. To build the body. But what do I mean when I say building the body? I mean bodybuilding. <laughs> That's what worship is. That's what Sunday school is. That's what Bible study and small group and accountability groups. That's what they are. It's body building. You understand that you can't build a muscle. You can't grow a muscle unless you first break it down. You got to tear through some muscle fibers. It's got to break down in order to build back up. And every time we gather here, you and I are aiming to break something down first. Something else must be broken down before the body can be built up. And the thing that must be broken down is every other perspective that we, well, that clings to us when we leave this place. <laughs> Because we are formed and, and we are shaped by all kinds of perspectives that are not only not Christ-like, but they are, they are destructive. And we are formed by the stress at work and we are shaped by the anxiety at home. Or we are uh, formed and shaped by the media that we choose to listen to, by our particular politics, by our particular uh, leaders that we follow. We're shaped by all these things. So when we come into here, if we claim to be followers of one Lord and one King, then we must break away all of the perspectives that are anti-Christ, that are not like Christ. And in the breaking down of those things, there is the building up of something that is, as the text said, the full stature of the body of Christ, that we are growing into the mind of Christ. So when we come into here, we do some trading. That's what we do. We do some trading. We come to lay down one mind and pick up another. We come here to lay down the mind of this world and take on the mind of Christ as Philippians 2 charges us. Have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who although was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, right? have the mind of Christ. So we come and lay down one mind. See, this is body building. We lay down one mind and we take on another one. As Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, you can't do body building unless you first form the mind. But I wonder if you can build with me a little bit this morning as we move beyond the mind to the heart. Because when we come in here, we not only lay down one mind, regardless of how smart or wise we think those minds are, we lay them down to take on the mind of Christ. But we also lay down our hearts. 
and we pour out our hearts so that the heart of God may be built within us. So we lay down all of our passions and pursuits and priorities in order to pick up his passions and his pursuits and his priorities so that they become our own. We come in here and we hear stories, ancient stories, about what he did with his hands and and who he touched and who he lifted up and who he welcomed and embraced. And we are charged as the body of Christ to do with our hands the very same thing that he did because if we don't his hands are useless and we hear stories about where he went with his feet you see we're doing body get it building right mind heart hands feet we watch where he went with his feet and we choose with courage to go to those same places wherever they may go wherever it may lead. We listen to what he, what he spoke with his mouth and we speak the same truths. And maybe the most transforming, we look into his, his eyes. Yeah. We look into his eyes and we pray that we might see with his eyes one another and all the world around. <laughs> because we recognize that our, our eyes are... Well, they're, they're tainted with a variety of lenses of films that, that keep us from seeing purely. And so we come in here and we trade our eyes and we build up the eyes of Christ so that we begin to look at each other and recognize in one another the mysterious beauty of the love of God that is in each one of us. But it doesn't stop in this room. We are so transformed by the building up of the body that happens here that when we leave, we are no longer able to look at anybody else the same either. We can't see our neighbors the same way. We can't see our friends and family the same way. We can't even see our enemies the same way because now, transformed as the body of Christ on this earth, we see them through the eyes of love. If I want to put it a different way, you know how I might say it. When we gather here, everything we do is to develop and nurture a Christ consciousness. A Christ consciousness. So that everyone we see, we see through the eyes of Christ. And everywhere we go, we go in the shoes of Christ. And everyone we embrace or are called to embrace, we embrace because the love of Christ compels us. Everything we say, everything we think, everything we feel is shaped by a Christ consciousness. That's called building the body. And everything we do here is in service to that. Because we can talk all day about knowing your why before you do your what, but I, you know, I tend to say it another way. With my team, this is the language I use. You got to know not just the thing that you're doing, but the thing behind the thing. And I'm telling you, the church and this church in particular has a thing behind the thing and all the things that we do. And that is to build the body of Christ. I love what Henry Nouwen said about it. Henry Nouwen said, when this happens, if we are serious, I mean, if we really gather here and recognize the potential of what's possible when we are with one another, then, then we can never see each other the same way. And Henry Nouwen says it this way. He says, 
when the Christ in me recognizes the Christ in you, then the space between us is holy ground. Yeah. So every program, every sermon, every song, every retreat, every banquet, everything we do is aiming at building the body toward that end. Now, the scripture continues, and it goes even deeper. We pick up in verse 14. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way. (laughs) We must grow up. In every way, continue to the next slide. Into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth, is building itself up in love. The witness of scripture continues that the call is to be built up in this body but it's not without purpose. It is so that we might grow up in every way. Beloved, can I tell you that if you're thinking about God the same way you thought about God when you were 12, you've got growing up to do. I mean, if you're you're in 10th grade, 11th, 12th grade, and, and, and your thoughts about God are exactly the same as they were when you were in first grade, kindergarten, there's some growing up to do. And if you're a grown adult in Christ and you still have the same kind of thoughts, hopes, expectations, understanding of Christ as you did when you were in college, where have you been? Because there is a growing up that must happen when we gather here because if we do, if we know our why, if we know the thing behind the thing and it is to grow up in every way into Christ then and only then will we live up to and into our fullest identity in Jesus Christ. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Here's where it gets tricky. Because all day long, I mean, we can organize the church in a way to make sure we always focus on the thing behind the thing. In fact, every week with our staff and the team, when our team gets together, we rehearse this message, so to speak. We, we remind ourselves, what is the thing behind the thing, that which is driving everything we do so we're not off track? We can always stay fixed, and I guarantee you we will be and are. But that's only half the battle. A church can be organized in every possible way, to know our why before our what. But if the members of that church don't understand what his or her particular why is, then it won't matter. So may I ask you the pastoral question? May I ask you a question in worship that is intended to maybe disturb a little bit in the soul? Can I ask you, what is your why? I mean, what's the why behind your what? What is the thing behind your thing? Now, if you hit me with, well, my career, well, you know that's not enough, okay? You, you know that that won't last. If you hit me with, well, my education is the thing that gets me up. It's, it's the thing that I'm focused on. I got to give my entire energy to. You know that's not enough. But then even if you hit me with, well, my family, 
and hit me with something really noble, like everything that I do in the morning when I get up is for my family. I get it. I get where that's coming from. And I, and, and I mean this with all respect and all understanding. I get where that's coming from. But that's not enough because your family deserves better than that. <laughs> what your family deserves is someone who is relentlessly, uncompromisingly devoted to pursuing the thing behind the thing, a growing, thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. And this church, man, we've got great plans. We've got amazing days ahead, and you know what they are. I mean, we've got incredible ministry coming down the pike. We've got great programs coming down the pike, and I could not be more thrilled, but I'm here to tell you, unless every individual member in this body wrestles a little bit with trying to figure out what is the thing that gets me up in the morning, that we're going to have trouble. Unless that answer is the thing behind my thing is relentlessly, uncompromisingly following and pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that is your one thing behind the thing, then everything else falls in place. That means already at work, you're a better coworker. <laughs> that means already on the team, you're a better player on the field. It means already on the line, you're a better musician. Already on the stage, you're a better cast member, whatever club member, whatever it happens to be, because you put the thing behind the thing first. What would it look like for you to trade in every lesser thing for the one solitary pursuit of knowing Christ and being known by him? Let's pray together. God, we, we pause for just a moment because we recognize that you, that you are serious about your call, that we... That you have called us to be in this world the visible presence of your son. You have called us to live in a way, Lord, that, that demonstrates his aliveness in our lives. But we recognize we can't do that if we are devoted to a hundred lesser what's. Will you show us this day how to surrender our devotion to everything but you so that our responsibility in everything is in perspective? We pray these things in the name of Christ our Lord.